DJ Carrasco, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. What's up? Glad you're along for yet another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. It's Davo, and today we're joined by DJ Carrasco, who pitched in KC from 2003 to 2005 after coming over in the Rule 5 draft, December of 2002, from the Pirates organization. And and quite the story DJ Carrasco had. There's underdogs, and then there's DJ Carrasco with his extremely unlikely path to the major leagues. But what a nice career he had. He spent parts of eight seasons at the big league level, not only the Royals, but also the White Sox, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, and Mets, finished up with a 4-5-0 ERA, 24-21, and 21, both as a long guy, a short guy, got some saves, got you know a year and a half of starting at the major league level. He did it all, now doing some cool things with baseball as well in his post-career, which we'll talk about here on Clubhouse Conversation. DJ Carrasco joins us. First of all, thanks for taking the time, man, and, and how's everything going with you? Everything's well, man. Pretty interesting stuff. We'll probably get to later on in the interview. Uh, tomorrow we leave to New Zealand for a month to probably two and a half months, something like that. So, What are you doing there? I'm actually going to be working with MLB and uh, a gentleman named Ryan Flynn out of New Zealand to do uh, basically start the game of baseball, man, to uh, incorporate some some instruction and some uh, just a, a knowledge of, of the game down there. They're really good in fast pitch, uh, rugby, and cricket. They're big main sports. <clears throat> and we're just trying to, you know, instill the game of baseball and grow it and let everybody know that, you know, there's a game to be played across seas, and, and there's a lot of people watching and love it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so you've got Abner Doubleday over here. Maybe it'll be DJ Carrasco in there. Yeah. History. Who knows, man? <laughs> it's exciting, but it really is. You know, these guys, how it was kind of pitched to me was, you know, the last WBC, they, they didn't even have a baseball team. They kind of just put one together. And uh, being that they are so good in fast pitch, you know, the position player-wise, uh, fielding, throwing, hitting, they were able to really hold their own. It was just the pitching was, you know, a, a little bit lacking. Uh, but apparently they finished, I think, in the semifinals in the Asian uh, Asia round over there and ended up finishing like 30th in the world when they started last in the world. So that kind of opened up some eyes and MLB's wanted to explore uh, getting some, you know, instruction over there and me for pitching and, and hopefully to invest in the game down there, man, and grow it. That's kind of cool. It's kind of like million-dollar arm too, right, with the whole athletic Yeah, thing? somewhat like that, yeah. I, was, I remember being with the Pirates and those guys at had come out, but I think what we're looking at is a lot more refined product as far as, again, you know, these guys are playing fast. They understand the game. They don't have the learning curve of, of situations and stuff like that and, you know, running the bases. and You know, they got that instilled from from a young age. Now it's just getting them to come from underhand to over-the-top or sidearm or a mixture of all that, and I think that's where I'm going to excel with that because I, I did that when I played. I changed arm angles all the time, and and uh, I think I kind of offer both worlds of it. 
That's really cool. Now, so what else have you been doing? So you last time you pitched was 2012. So what else, you know, baseball related in, in your life the last few years? Um, baseball related, I dude, I'm having so much fun. I play in these these I call them old man tournaments, but <laughs> so all my buddies that you know, I can, I never would play with them. I wouldn't risk getting hurt. And we're going to these Roy Hobb tournaments in Florida, and I'm doing some fishing and just just hanging out. And I play with my cousins and, and everything like that, just just farting around. So it's been a blast in that aspect. Uh, I think a lot of stuff that takes my time is I we just ended up getting a ranch. It's almost going to be a year now. And I love it, man. I got a, a nice lake on there that I do a lot of fishing on. And then uh, just getting that thing all all set up the way I want to have it set up. Doing a lot of traveling as well. Where are you at? Texas these days? Is that where you're at? I'm in Texas, yeah, in the Fort Worth area. Very cool, very cool. Nice down there. Well, one other question about today before we go back. What did you think, uh, you know, the 2014 Royals postseason run? What did you think about that? Man, it was it was really good to see, man. I, I'm really good friends with Wakamatsu, and he kind of kept me, you know, informed on you know how they looked this year and uh, last year, anyways. And it's good to see the old royal blue and white, man, out on TV and, and the young arms that they got. And it, it was it was just really nice to see. Absolutely. Well, we'll get back to the Royals, your Royals days, but let's go all the way back. Let's start off by talking about you in high school then. So Hayward High School in Hayward, California. Now, so you growing up then, was baseball your primary sport growing up? And then, I mean, when you were, let's say, you know, eighth grade, 10th grade, obviously you got drafted out of high school, but did you think that you had a chance of playing pro maybe, you know, midway through high school? You know, I really thought I was better football player and I liked football a lot more than I did baseball. I was just a tall string bean, man. And it was, and, you know, but at that time, kind of everybody was, too. So it really wasn't a big deal. And I'd always have dreams as a little kid playing in the big leagues, but it was always as a hitter. It was never as a pitcher, man. I always loved hitting and, and worked, you know, in, in baseball and in high school. I just threw hard, so I got by really easy with that. But I, I always worked on, on hitting all the time. So there was something in the back of my head, yeah, that I thought I had an opportunity to do it. But I think that was kind of instilled from my mom uh, just, you know, making it, everything was tangible. There was nothing off limits. She wanted me to be a dang astronaut. <laughs> so all the, you know, the dreams, it's not very possible, you know. One in a million type stuff really wasn't at home one of the things that was was taught. You know, there was always the issue of you better have a backup plan and, you know, there's ways to go about doing it. But the reality of it all was, yeah, if you want to do it, you just got to work hard enough, you know, not really knowing that, hey, it's pretty dang hard to get to do it and stick around. Yeah. Well, so you get drafted, so that validates your thoughts. I mean, out of high school, 39th right. round, uh, the Rangers take you in 95, but obviously you chose to go to college instead. Was that an easy decision to bypass that offer? Um, You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, because obviously it's tough because a lot of kids, that's their dream. That's the start, the first step of their dream to play in the big leagues. Um, but at the time, I thought, the guys that were getting drafted higher than me, uh, I thought I was a lot better than them and had a higher ceiling than they did. I just didn't look the part at the time. I mean, I, I was again, I was a string bean, and I wasn't filled in, and everything off of me was projection with, you know, you should have good numbers in high school kind of deal. So I thought, you know, if I got a new look, different set of eyes, and, and just kept putting up the same numbers that I thought I could do in college, that I would go higher. So on that aspect, I, I, it wasn't hard because I thought I would I would do better. Well, you did. So two years later, you get drafted again. So you're pitching in Tucson, Arizona for uh, for Pima Community College there. Then Baltimore takes you in the 26th round of 1997. So before we talk about draft day, uh, take us back to the whole scouting process. Where, was Baltimore kind of the team you expected to draft you, and then was 26th round about where you thought you'd go? Man, this story can last forever and ever. <laughs> um, it really can. I mean, uh, you, you might have researched a lot of it on the Internet, but the real stories. 
it, it, it's really, really weird. So when I was a freshman, I'm going to go back one year. I was a draft to follow with the Rangers. And I was a freshman going to junior college, had a ton of credentials. And like I said, I thought I was going to, you know, put up a lot better numbers. And I only played, I only pitched three innings and had like four at bat. My mother passed away. I dropped out of school and then I had to re-enroll. And it was just, it was the worst time of my life, man. It, I really was. I just wasn't into it. I got, you know, I was, it was, it was a dark time in my life and there was a lot of stuff that, you know, I was doing that I shouldn't have been doing. And, and I just realized I had to get out of there. And I went to Arizona and, uh, Played in Tucson, had a really good year. Again, I you know I threw hard, um, just learned a curveball that year. But but hitting, I was I was leading the league in hitting. I was uh, MVP in the All Star game, led the team in home run or uh, the league in home runs and blah 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 whatever. But it was always hitting. So when draft day came, I thought it was going to be more as a position player than a pitcher. And that story is kind of funny too because the scout that. Had drafted me in the 26th round. I told him I'm not interested in that low because again, I'm, I have a full ride. I was going to go to Washington State, or I had another full ride to go to NAIA college that I really liked in Oklahoma City. And I just chose, you know, at 26th round, I, I, I kind of figured out how the game was going. You don't have money invested in you. You're not going to have a long, you know, time to, to prove what you can do. So I was, I was two weeks away from going to college, and I was all set on it. My scout called me up and said, "Hey, I really want to." take another look at you. He was coming back from the Cape Cod League, and he had his cross-checker out. And he tells me, I just want you to throw, and, uh, you know, we had a doubleheader. I was going to throw the first game for seven innings. And, and I told him, look, man, I haven't even thrown all, all summer ball because the guy that got me wanted me to hit. So, you know, I was all about hitting anyways, and I didn't want to go to the minor league to pitch. So what ended up happening is I agreed to go ahead and start and, and – uh, and I threw a seven inning like two hitter, and my arm was just on fire, man. My elbow was killing me the next day, <laughs> and he was all excited because you know I, I put up a really good game in front of his cross checker, and kind of a diamond in the rough. In the twenty sixth round, we got a guy who's pitching really good, and, and I and I sat on it for a couple days and, and tried to wait to see if my elbow was getting better. So, in all reality, the, the whole reason I signed, my thinking was I thought I hurt my elbow, like I thought I needed Tommy John, and I didn't want to go to college and have students, you know, rehabbing me. And my thinking was, well, if I go to a professional team, at least I'll have the best there is to offer and I'll get an extra year out of it after I'm healthy. So that swayed me big time to go ahead and sign uh, just because of what I thought was going on in my elbow. Huh, I never knew that story. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then, okay, so you signed with Baltimore then. Now, I'm assuming you head to their spring training complex to work out into that summer, probably play some fall ball, what have you. But before you even appear in a game then with Baltimore, at any level, you get released somehow and then let go the following summer. So, I mean, what was their reasoning for that? And did you think at the time, were you kind of like, man, I'm screwed, I'm done? Like, What, were you, what was your oh, thought process? Yeah, okay, so again, on the Internet, you can only get so much of the story and, you know, half of it's probably fake anyway. Um, so what happened is I signed so late that they didn't end up sending me to Instructs. Um, so I just kind of worked out, and I went to early spring training, and I was actually throwing the ball really, really good. I was actually throwing a lot of strikes. They had me working out with the the Double A team the whole spring training, my very first year, and they were, uh, you know, they were they were impressed actually, and I was too because I just you know I kind of just came out of nowhere with it. Um, but the problem was I had a I had a roommate that really had a problem with alcohol and loved to party and loved to drink. And, you know, me being the roommate there, it just kind of was one of those things where I got guilty by association. And the final day kind of went something like when the Bulls and the Pacers were in the playoffs 
me and a friend went and watched it uh, at a restaurant, and he kind of had a party in our room, which is not a big deal because that's what, that's what teammates do. They all hang out and they have fun. Uh, but when I came back, the whole place was just trashed with beer and alcohol. And the only night we ever had a room check, the manager comes in, knocks on the door. Uh, the next morning, you know, we're getting talked to by the head of the minor league deal, and, and I got released. So I went back to <clears throat> excuse me to Arizona when I was staying with my father, and I just worked out as a as a hitter. You know, I didn't I didn't really care to pitch anyway, but I was just going to stay sharp. Uh, my uncle knew Bo Allred, who had a connection with the Indians at the time. Um, and he made a call. A scout came down, and I threw a bullpen for him. And he basically said, you can't be doing, you know, what was going on with Baltimore. I'm like, dude, I don't do that anyways. I'm not worried about that. You know, that's not me. I just I just want to play, you know. And he said, he also heard that I like to hit all the time because I'd always talk about hitting and this and that. And, and uh, you just got to go there and, and pitch. You know, you're not going to be a hitter anymore. So I said, well. I was thinking I can't miss two years of baseball now because I always I missed the season before because I was I held out so long because I was gonna not play uh, you know I was gonna play Washington. Hold on, the, the dog here. <laughs> so anyways, I end up I end up signing with the Indians and I go there for short season uh, a ball and uh, I couldn't take it, man. I'm watching these guys swinging stuff over their head. It's bouncing on the ground. They're swinging at it, and I'm like. I could hit so much better than these guys. and You know, a lot of phone calls back home, and I finally decided, you know what, I don't want to be old sitting on my chair at whatever age, and I'll say 37 now, that's all I am, and just regret not ever, you know, trying to hit, you know, giving myself a chance to hit. So I went in there, and I asked for my release, and they thought I was crazy because, you know, I said, if you don't want to give me a release, let me come back to hit. They didn't want to do it, and um, that's that. And that was the year that, uh, baseball ended a little bit short that year with the, the Indians. Huh, okay, so you were trying to be a hitter at that point, but then... Yeah. So Okay, so the Pirates then signed you prior to 1999. So the next four seasons... Well, I guess before we get into that, so when did you finally decide, okay, I've got to be a pitcher? When did that kind of click to you? Okay, so when I got re- released from the Indians, I said, you know what, I'm going to go work out. I might, you know, to hit, I'm not going to pitch. And I set something up uh, that, I think it was probably like, January or something like that, January, February time, that I went to, uh, I ended up, my whole career, I've kind of like marketed myself for the most part, you know, I've made my own calls, and I mean, other than, you know, when I was, once I got established in the big league, uh, but I, I called around for some independent ball coaches, uh, some minor league teams, and the Pirates were one of them, a couple other teams showed up, um, and what happened was, I had uh, the independent ball guys. I went to, ironically, a Chicago White Sox workout in Tucson, made the final cuts as an outfielder, and then they had seen that I'd played with the Indians the year before and pitched. And they said, do you want to throw a bullpen? We'd love to see you. And I said, you know, at the time, Kase was the big thing out of Long Beach State where he'd come in and close out, you know, out of the outfield and this and that. And I was basically telling the independent ball guy, I can close for you, but I don't want to be a pitcher. You know, I want to hit. So I threw a bullpen. The independent ball guy was all head over heels and, and I actually got offered a, uh, a contract on the spot from the White Sox to be a pitcher. And I told them, man, you know, I appreciate it and all that, but if I wanted to pitch, I would have stayed with the, with the Indians. I wouldn't have left. I want to hit. So, again, they thought I was crazy, and every kid in the camp thought I was crazy, but I signed with the Independent Ball Club, and a couple weeks later the Pirates informed me that they're going to purchase my contract. <laughs> and I could either, A, accept it and go there and do whatever I wanted and, 
you know, I'm not doing whatever I wanted, but show up and pitch. And if it didn't work out, they'd send me back to the independent ball team because they knew I wanted to hit. Or they could suspend my rights if I didn't choose to do so, which, you know, I don't know if they ever done that or not, but that was kind of a scare tactic. So I had to just go, man. And, and at that point was when I was like, you know what? Somebody believed in me enough that I could hit for them and play for them that, that's you know, that's I, I, it kind of satisfied a little bit of me, but in the end I couldn't control it anymore. Like there was nothing I could do at that point to not pitch. So I went to the Pirates, showed up my Ken Griffey high top, no pitching toe, big old outfield glove. Third game, I'm already torn a hole in there. And, you know, there's funny stories about that. I got there, I asked for 21, and the guy looks at me crazy. And, like, you know, he's, I asked a couple other times, like, what are you, stupid? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm supposed to grow up watching the Pirates and, and Clemente and all, you know, and, and all this stuff that's going on. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was fun, man. Wow. This is great. So, okay, so like I said, you get signed. You were with the Pirates then for several years. Williamsport, Lynchburg, Hickory, Altoona. Now, I want to talk about a couple of those other places, but I used to live in Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple of years and spent some time in Hickory. So what'd you, how'd, oh, yeah. how'd you like pitching for the crawdads there in that small town? Dude, I loved Hickory. I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, we had, a, we had a pretty good team, a bunch of cool guys, but the thing that I liked the most about it was that league, and I think it was called the Sally League. I'm not yep, sure if yep. I remember right. Um, but we played everybody. Like, it was such a big league that, you know, it wasn't just four. Like, you go in the Carolina League and you got four teams on your side. You know, that's it. You just play the same teams over and over. And there, it was, it, it was like, it felt like a thing. You know, you're starting to get, you know, make some moves and there's a little bit more fans coming. The stadiums are a lot nicer than Williamsport and stuff like that. So. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so those four years with the Pirates, you had some obvious success, but never made it higher than double A. But let's fast forward then to 2002. So you're pitching with Lynchburg, you're high A, you got a 1 6 1 ERA, 55 appearances, 29 saves. You guys get the Carolina League Championship. You're a Carolina League All Star. You're named the best reliever in the league, so on and so forth. So then this is obviously a banner year for you, 2002. You're now becoming a big time prospect. But before we talk about the Royals, then. Take me back kind of to the end of 2002. So you guys just won the championship. You've got all the success. But... Right. Well, I'll, I'll take you to 2001 because you, you okay. mentioned the word prospect, and I was never on a prospect list. <laughs> and this, and this, is how, this is how my career has been, man. It's always been the underdog coming up. And, you know, whatever. That's, that's awesome because I was able to get through it, and, and I really appreciate what, what I ended up getting out of it because a lot of the times I never thought I was going to make it as far as I did or as long as I did. Um, but that year before, if I remember some of the stats, and I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, I'm just trying to paint a picture of how it was working with the Pirates at the time, was I think I had finished the year in A-ball there, uh, or that year it was in A-ball, and I, I don't know, I was like 4-0 with seven saves, and I had like a 1-5 ERA, didn't make the All-Star team. Went up to double-A, the first three innings I gave up 10 earned, I just, I wasn't feeling good, I was just not, not on the same page, just kind of intimidated, and then I finished up the last, I want to say eight, nine innings hitless. And they were telling me, hey, you got a really good chance to, you know, try out for the AAA team next year. If not, most likely it'll be double A. And then the regime changed. If you kind of look back, you know, the new GM came in and all new minor, minor league coordinators came in and, and they didn't even, uh, have, you know, so they would call in everybody and, you know, individually and go over their stats the year before. And, and this is a part that, you know, probably a lot of people don't know, but. They called me in and told me I had to work on my breaking ball and holding runners. Um, and to me, it was a slap in the face because they said, well, you're going back to A ball. And after having a 1-5 ERA with seven saves and four wins, I thought, they're, they're crazy. At 25 or whatever it was, 24-25, I was going to go back to A ball. So to me, they just put my career in jeopardy because how can I do any better? You know, if I do worse, then 
I'm, you know, obviously I'm not good enough to be there, and you know, it's just a double-edged sword going back to A-ball at that age. And you know, I I instructed, you know, I told him that you guys are crazy. I throw curveballs from three different arm angles, and I got the best curveball in the organization. And you know, I, it just hit me in the wrong spot, and I was just, and I just went off, and it's totally out of character. But you know, you're messing with somebody's dream and livelihood, and 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 all that. And I told him I quit. <laughs> I'm done. You know. I'll, I ain't gonna show up to practice tomorrow. I'm done, and I, and I really was, man. I called, who now my wife and my dad and everybody. And I said, I'm, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You can't win the political system here the way it's set up, and you know. So, one of my uh, old coaches kind of just talked me into. He's like, look, you know, school's not gonna start for you know another month and a half. Why don't you just finish out the month and a half? You know, this and that, and and so I agreed to it, and that's the season that I ended up having after that. So, it was a year that I was gonna quit and just be done with baseball. Um, and my pitching coach at the time, Blaine Beatty, kind of uses that story a lot. He's told me, and to some of these kids, and just think that there's, you know, that that the end goal is just so far out of reach. And he kind of uses my story like, look, this guy was going to quit. He was done, and, and then he ended up getting rule five the same year. So that's how that went. <laughs> so the end of 2002, then you're thinking you're not in their plans at all, still, even after okay, the so, year, right? So I, I forgot to address that part. So the end of 2002, we go. We're in the play. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're in the playoffs, and I'm asking my pitching coach about winter ball. I want to go to winter ball to get more exposure, because the whole time I never got put on a prospect list. You know, there wasn't really any talk because again, I'm 24, 25. I should be doing this good in a ball is what everybody's kind of saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they're telling me, oh yeah, we'll send you to winter ball, and ends up that I didn't. You know that they weren't going to send me, but our double A team, um, their starting pitcher, ended up getting hurt in the playoffs. So I took his spot to go to the Fall League, but it was as a taxi squad player. So if you don't know about the taxi yeah. squad at the time, you could only, you're only eligible to pitch Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, doesn't mean you, ha- you will, but you're only eligible to. Uh, thank God that our, our coach sent from our organization was the pitching coach, so every Wednesday and Sunday I would pitch. And, you know, at the, the beginning of the week, I'd be leading the league in pitching, and, you know, towards the end of the week I wouldn't qualify. Uh, I ended up finishing third in the league that year, in uh, in ERA and uh, still didn't get protected, didn't get put on the forty man, wasn't on a prospect list. So to me, I was I was done, man. They're like, there's nothing. I I almost led the league in pitching in the in the fall league. You know, I had over thirty saves, including the playoffs and, and regular season. Um, and then a couple of winter ball teams approached me about closing for them in the winter ball, and I was like, you know what? I need the money. I'm gonna just go down there. And I went to Mexico to Obregon, and we went to the finals the first time in twenty years, and I had a had a heck of a run, and that's the, the, uh, when I was down there when I got the call from the Royals. Alan Barrett had uh, picked me up in the Rule 5. Yeah, so take us back to that moment. So you're in Mexico, December of 2002. The Royals pluck you out of the Rule 5. I mean, were you just absolutely shocked? And then what did he tell you? Yeah, it was, It was, uh, and I, I still remember the room. You know, it's, it was an old Mexican hotel with, you know, there's not much on the wall, and, and me and my wife were just hanging out, you know, waiting for the game. Wasn't really much to do in the small town, and and he had said, "Hey, we really like what we've seen. You know, we've we've got some scouts had some eyes on you for a while now, and and uh, just told me you're in the Rule Five. You're going to be coming to uh, our, our big league camp." And I had asked him, "Well, do you want me to just you know shut it down here, or what? What's the deal?" And, no, go ahead and keep going. And uh, I don't know, man. I can't say enough about Allard, and hopefully we'll address that later on in the conversation. But he 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 was just a class act, and and a good friend of mine now, and, and he's done stuff for our family that I don't, I don't think a lot of GMs would probably do. So 
I got nothing but good things to say about Howard, man. <laughs> I mean, were you so were you just floored? Were you shocked that somebody chose you in that draft, or were you kind of expecting it? Um, a little bit of both, because you know when it when you're in a ball, big league seems so far away, man. You know, you still and I wasn't a prospect; I didn't get protected. You know, you gotta understand, I've done everything possible at that time, and I still wasn't on anybody's list. Um, and if there wasn't a, a Rule Five draft, I'd probably still have been in the minor leagues. You know, so. That part of me was was really surprised because I was so far away and I hadn't been able to prove myself at any higher level other than the year before. And then at the same time, I'm looking at numbers and stats and you know what agents are telling me and, and people are saying and, and I'm looking at stuff that guys you know the year before got Rule Five. So I thought there was a good chance. I, I thought I was ready at that time to you know to do it. So a little bit of both. Now, what did you know about the Royals at that time? Did you know much of anything about them? No, man. I. I I didn't really know much. The only thing really that we knew at that time is who was ahead of us in the minor league. So I had no idea that, you know, the year before, I think they were like a 100-loss team or, or whatever it was, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Well, so obviously a Rule 5 guy, so you've got to stay in the big league roster that entire 2003 season or be offered back to the Pirates. So your mindset heading into spring training, then, did you feel like you had a legitimate chance to make that big league team going into 03? Well, you know, again, we had Tony Pena now at the time, and, and – as a, as a, I just kind of went into a blind, like, this is what's been working, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, I, first three or four games, I was doing really, really good, and, and then they called me into the office, and they said, hey, now we're going to be, you know, you're going to be facing some big league guys. And I was just oblivious to the fact, I thought I was facing big league guys the whole time anyway. It didn't even, you know, dawn on me that I'm facing other double-A and triple-A guys, because, you know, I was pitching at the end of the game, where the big league guys were only playing the first couple innings at the time. And then it was like, holy cow, I guess I wasn't. And uh, he tells me, look, you're 25 years old. You're not one of these young Rule 5 guys that we draft for potential down the road. He said, you know, we think you could help, and, you you know, you're going to have to make that immediate impact. So you're kind of, you know, you're kind of thrown into the into the fire right now as far as there's not going to be a, a grace just to keep you around and, and eat up a spot on the big league roster. You're going to have to show that you can you could do it and, and hang, you know, and, and we believe that we can. Well, there's no reason we wouldn't have picked you if you couldn't. So that was kind of said. And, you know, the part about believing that I could was, you know, just enforce the fact that, hey, I, I, I should be here and I, and I have the ability to be here. So it worked out well. Yeah, so the brand-new complex there in Surprise, first year of yeah. that. And who were some of the uh, the veterans for the Royals that kind of took you under their wing right away in spring training? Um, uh, Sweeney. I love Mike Sweeney, man. He, he, he did a great job. Um, you know, just making the young guys feel comfortable. There was a few other – I mean, we had a lot of rookies on the year that team. We had Baroa, Harvey, McDougal was still considered a rookie. I felt was pretty young in his career. So he did a really good job in in, in keeping us, uh, you know, on an even playing field. And, and it, it was just – for my career looking back, man, it was awesome to do it that way because, you know, the fan base in Kansas is, is a lot better than you get the fan base in New York. Um, you know, they're very understanding. The pressure is not the same as it would be somewhere else. And just a really good city to, to come up in. And, and I'm proud to say that that's where, I, you know, my rookie year started. So, Yeah. Well, so you make the team then. So take us back to that moment. Did, did you get a cool story? Like, how did how did they tell you the news? Well, we were we were playing in, in Fire, oh, Fire Firebird Stadium, I think it is, or something like that, where the Giants were at. And uh, Tony was, uh, Pena was on the, on the, uh, the bus and, he basically said, you know, all you guys are on this bus right now, you're my reliever, so, you know, I congratulate you guys and doing a good job and this and that. So, you know, 
it's and the big league is such a game. Like it's such a last minute thing. You know, I've been on. I got other stories that I'll tell you. I, they told me the day before opening opening day that I made the team, and that night they came somebody off the wafers and then I go to AAA. So <laughs> you never know, man. You really never know. And so it was. It was just, you know, validation for all the sacrifices that you give up in life and, and throughout, you know, your whole career, even when you're not in your career, when you're you're giving up stuff for, you know, Babe Ruth or Little League practices that, you know, you're trying to get to this goal and it's all validated by, you know, just getting there and finally making a team and then, then your goal is to sticking around and doing something and winning stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good minute, a pretty good moment for me. Now you mentioned the the night before. Was that with the Royals that happened, or was that later on? No, that was with the Diamondbacks. Okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you gotta love that crap. So okay, so yeah. tremendous start at the big league level. So let's go back then. Your, your first game, the first hitter you faced, you got him, Brian Dow, back of the White Sox, a one hitter appearance. Then you didn't give up a single hit to the first seventeen big league hitters that you faced. So April two. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, first 17, man. How special was April of 2003? I mean, when you look back to that first month. You know, I, the, a part that I do remember is I remember we went into Detroit, and it was just freezing. I, I want to say we got froze out. I don't know if it was the first or second year. Like, the first game was just frozen out. And I do remember punching out. I think I punched out, like, six guys in a row. You did, yeah, that year. Yep. Something like that. And then Allard had come in, and, and uh, I mean, well, that's what I liked about it. He would, you know, he'd occasionally – come by and hang out in the clubhouse. Not hang out, but just come by the clubhouse and talk to his guys. And, and it made it made them a lot more, you know, tangible. And, and it just didn't get that that unsaid pressure about the GM for some reason. And uh, But he had told me, man, you're making me look good. I like it. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know. It, it, it was cool, man, to just, again, to to know that I went from A-ball and hoping I can do this to, to the big leagues actually doing it. So, yeah, it was awesome. Now, that year as a whole was obviously until 2014. I mean, the, the best year we've had in, you know, God, 30, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So, we came out of the gates hot, man. Yeah. Like, I think we won 11 in a row or something like that. Yeah, it was magical, man. It was like 16 and 4, I think it was, to start yeah. the year. But, so, I mean, where does that, when you think back to that year, where does that rank for you, you know, professionally, as far as favorite years go? I mean, that, you can't ever – your rookie year, nothing probably ever tops that. I mean, other than if you're winning World Series and stuff like that. But that was awesome. I mean, just to get – because I hadn't lived through the, the, the hardships of, you know, the bad seasons that they had before, and now they're finally getting to be in first place till August. And But to be on a first-place team and to, to be winning and to have an actual part of it, man, it's 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 awesome. You, it's, I guess you can't put it in words. You just have to be part of the camaraderie and the team, you know, the teammates that – are picking you up and, you know, we're excited at the end of the game and, and this kind of stuff that goes on with just being part of a team like that. This uh, this city probably embraces an 84 and 78 team more than anybody <laughs> in the world, man, right? <laughs> yeah, but they do a great job with it, man. That's what I'm saying. They have great fans. they really understanding and, and they know the game. They, you know, they, they understand good baseball and, and, and they're forgiven when, you know, a bad hop versus a bad play kind of stuff. So. Yeah, we love our I love our baseball. So a guy I wanted to ask you about from that team that we obviously lost way too young. Talk about uh, you know obviously Lima time was a big part of that year. Talk about what oh, kind of yeah. what kind of man he was. Oh, I love Lima time, man. It was, it was sad that he had to pass when he did, but he came in in a well. I mean, not that it was a well needed time, but he came. I think he won ten games that year. Yeah. Came in and just and just did his thing, man, and just brought a spark to the to the clubhouse and to the plane rides and the bus rides and. I mean, he was, he's just he's just full of life himself, I and mean, he's just like I said, he's just an energizer bunny that 
comes in and just brings an infusion, especially coming in when he did and just eating up innings and winning us games and throwing that sinker and that change up and just and just you know keeping us in games stuff like that. So I, I miss that guy, man. His intense, his his eyes, his singing, everything about him was just his beautiful thing. I remember that they. I think I remember Allard saying he. They, they picked him out of what Newark, I think it was, on the Indy League. Yeah, Indy League. Yeah. I remember them saying they hadn't even seen him throw. They were so desperate for somebody. They just signed him sight unseen. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't know, man. To come out of independent ball and come into a playoff race like that. I mean, at the time, I don't know exactly the date he came in. I know we were still ahead, but. Yeah, he, uh, to throw up ten wins like that—that's that's awesome. Yeah, that was you, incredible. You had Kevin Apier like with like throwing eighty-four, beating the Yankees, and you had Paul Abbott, yeah. Paul Abbott coming out there. You had—I <laughs> mean—that was a magical year, man. It really was. Right, it was. It was fun. Uh, so well, before we get to two thousand four, then, so let's refresh about your, what your arsenal. So I remember you eighty-eight, ninety-three, if I remember right. Great sinking action. You had a change in the curve, and like like you said, the different arm angles. I wanted to talk about that. Did, didn't you develop the arm angles when you came to KC, or did you have that before? No, I had I had done it before, and it okay. was it was such a battle with the Pirates. At times, they would, you know, they, I'm not taking you to winter ball if you keep doing that. What are you just messing around? That's a gimmick, and this and that. I'm like, dude, the gimmick works. Nobody ever hits it. Why would I not throw it? You know, and it was just and and honestly, after talking to Allard, that was one of the main reasons they chose me because of the fact that it's hard to hit. It's something totally different. I mean, everybody throws, you know, ninety ninety two ninety three in the big leagues. Heck. You know what I mean? They throw 97, 98. But what separated me was the movement and everything and the, and the different arm angles and stuff like that. That's how I had success. Was everything looked like a fastball, and then at the last minute it would move late in the zone. So that was that was me. Well, you head into 2004, and you know a lot of expectations. At the time, we probably didn't realize that some of that 03 was kind of luck. At the time, it didn't seem right. like it. But So you, you bring in some big-name free agents. Um, the fan base expects another postseason run, but then that year turns out to be a debacle. I mean, you have a lot of things go wrong. But let's start with a good thing. So opening day, 2004, you guys are down 7-4, to four, headed to the ninth. Yeah. You come on to pitch. You throw up a scoreless ninth. You eventually get a win when – the most Mindy freaking Lopez hits a three-run homer somehow, and then Beltron with the walk-off. Do you remember that day pretty well? Yeah, that was awesome. That was amazing. But uh, let me back up. Was it the year before that we did the same thing on opening day? Yeah, or was it the year at, the next year? Yeah, like getting ahead of myself. I think it was the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, and I don't know if it was it wasn't opening day, but you brought up one of my other favorite memories in uh, in Kansas City history was when Mike uh, Sweeney. And Joe Nathan, I don't know if you remember this at bat, he had probably like a 12-pitch at bat. And the very last pitch in the bottom of the ninth, I think we were down by one, or we might have been tied, and Sweeney hits a bomb in the left field away. I'll go for pitching on that. And I think it was the same opening day or something like that. But, yeah, those those moments like that, dude, opening day, I remember the stealth bomber going over. I remember the, the bald eagle landing on the guy's arm and, <laughs> And home runs to walk off. I mean, it can't get any more American than that, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially 03. Remember the the Ken Harvey off Matt Anderson where he puts his arm up to left field, the bomb he hit, and then the, yes, yes. on the Friday night, and there was uh, yeah. there were some good ones that year, man. Ken Harvey was – do you remember when Ken Harvey fell over the tarp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they outlined it in tape. <laughs> he was so bitter about that. He was bitter, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so, there were some good names. That was that was that was some fun times. So so and then so oh four then like I said so negatives there. Hundred and four losses and then you right. know the famous Pena wearing his jersey into the shower proclaiming you guys are going to win the division and then you have 
the Eduardo Velasquez, poor guy, that kind of debacle that happened in New York. But So, I mean, for yeah. you personally that year, you're kind of up and down. You're in 30 games for KC. Was 04 kind of frustrating for you after having success in 03 and knowing you could hang? Yeah, it was. And the way it happened early on, I mean, that first month, if I remember right, I was doing really, really well. I had one bad game where I gave up a walk-off to Maglio, and I got sent down, and I still – it was like my only bad game. I hadn't walked anybody or anything, and the whole bullpen was struggling. And, and I thought I was kind of at the bright spot, but that's when you start realizing, you know, the numbers game and arbitration numbers and, and all this and that started coming to effect. Options I really think and that, stuff. Yeah, and, you know, just knocking down time to get you to control control you longer and this and that. So I think it was just a product of that. If we weren't in the race, there's no reason to have to pay a guy earlier. And I get it. That's the business part of it. That's what happens. So, I mean, you can't be mad at, at the way the business works, but... You know, I thought it was unfortunate, but that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, man. Yeah, well, so 2005 then, uh, you begin that year in Omaha. You're throwing the ball great. You have a 2-2-8 down there in Omaha in 05, reliever and starter. They call you back up finally for the rest of 05. So they pretty much, you know, entirely, I think, all but one or two outings were as a starter. You went 114-plus innings, throwing the ball well. So how would you like – that was pretty much the only year you threw out of the rotation. How would you like taking the ball every fifth day that year? Dude, I, I tried to start every year after that, man. It's just – you know, if teams don't have the open spot and you've had more success as a as a reliever, then that's you know you're kind of branded your name that way. So I love starting. I enjoyed the homework. I enjoyed the just you know breaking down film and coming in with a plan versus just here it is, hit it kind of deal. I mean, I like that too. But I I, I just I really liked starting that year, man. It was it was special. It was something special because I remember uh, going in one of the private the brightest moments in my career I think is going to be when I was starting and we went to San Francisco where I grew up in the Bay Area and I ended up throwing like a complete game I don't know I don't know how many hitters or whatever but it was just it was just awesome to throw a complete game in the big leagues just like to me that that's so I, I respect it so much more now doing it than you know watching somebody else do it because I know how hard it is to do that now <laughs> well and how, how about your hitting you got to hit over there too how'd you like yeah that, you know that's the only thing I, I I take back from my career is I never did get a hit I've hit the ball well <laughs> I, I I smoked our former reliever Al um Levine last, Al Levine, yeah, Levine last, yeah. last night yeah um Kurt Reeder also hit him that same game two two line drives right back at the pitcher but I never did get a hit so I wish I I did, man. That's the only thing I can regret. <laughs> Spoken like a true pitcher. <laughs> a true hitter, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you're right. All right. So, <laughs> so I don't think I think you were actually down in Omaha when Pena up and quit. But but so first of yeah, all, yeah, I was. How how did you well, before we talk about Buddy and Guy Hanson? How did you like uh, working with Tony? Man, Tony was cool. He was a player's uh, manager. He he. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, the, the things that had to happen for him to leave. But I really enjoyed playing for Tony, man. He was a, a great cheerleader. He brought you up. He didn't. I played for other guys that, you know, you feel like you're the scum of the earth if you've messed up a game or something like that. You know what I mean? This guy, he wasn't like that. He played the game for a long time. He understood what happens in the game. And it does you no good to put somebody under pressure. They put enough pressure on ourselves, let alone, you know, a manager or a staff or somebody just kind of putting that added pressure on you. Now, so how about uh, Buddy Bell and Guy Hansen? They're all. I didn't have. I didn't have a bad teach there, man. It, uh, Buddy Bell actually, we he was probably one of the the prime reasons why I went to the White Sox uh, when I did. He was a great guy. Um, the guy I, I like guy because he's like me. He's very articulate. He's thinking about the game. He breaks the game down scientifically. He's looking for any edge you can get. 
Um, he understands movement. I mean, he he's all about it, man. So we got along great. Now, before we talk about you know getting released, uh, Allard Baird, talk more about what kind of man he is. Uh, again, there's you know when you say released from the Royals, there was a uh, you know one of the prime um, examples that I have was he had a guy in me that you know I had started the year before. I had a relief for him. I even closed the game for him. I, I, I could do long. I, I could do everything, and he still had control to uh, as far as you know arbitration goes. I still wasn't under. I wasn't going to be eligible for arbitration the next season. And I had an opportunity to go play in Japan and, and, and make some money and uh, continue to start. And that was the main thing. I, I really wanted to start. And he just, you know, J.P. Howell and uh, Batista and Mike Wood, he had all these guys that were in the plans. And uh, he actually was able to let me go. Uh, you know, for me and my family, that was an amazing move. And I don't think another GM would probably have done that because he had, again, he had somebody in me that he only had to pay the minimum wage to for the whole next season. So, you know, it, 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 that's the main, like, moral thing that I, I love about him. But, again, stuff like coming down to the clubhouse and, and being tangible and, and speaking to these young kids that, you know, are, are you know, they're kind of scared in those lights at sometimes. So, you know, just making making it as comfortable as you can and just understanding people as well as the game and, you know, and, and the way the stats work and everything. So he, he's awesome, man. He got kind of a, a raw deal in retrospect, I think. But I, I also respect him for keeping – I mean, he never said anything negative. There's a lot of stuff that comes out. Like, it seems like one or two more stories come out a year that he had to deal with behind closed doors that he yeah, didn't, didn't sure. tell anybody. But he's just a professional to keep his mouth shut and be – Right. You know, it's, it's yeah. a good character guy, so it's something you can look up to. Very much so. Yeah, you could trust that with anything, man. I was really hoping to see him get the Diamondbacks at the end. Yeah, he's, uh, is he still in Boston, assistant GM? I think he is. Yeah, he's he? still a special assistant with Boston. Yeah, well, he'll, he'll get another chance. He deserves it. Um, so, yeah. so, 2006 then. So, you only end up pitching in Japan, as far as I can tell, for three games. Now, what happened that year? Yeah, that, that was a whole tobacco, man, that I, I guess I can't really go into for legally for some reasons, man. And uh, let's just say it, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, the year before I was starting in the big leagues, I was one of five pitchers on a big league team, and who knows where my career would have been if I'd have stuck around, you know. So it it is what it is, man. I can't complain. I had a I had a great time learning the culture and meeting some Japanese friends. I hated the, the baseball down there; it didn't work out for me. I I thought I threw the ball really well, and and uh, just the way it happened when I got called up, and you know, <laughs> things weren't going the same way. So that's really all I like to say about that, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, before 2007, you're back in the states with the Diamondbacks, obviously hoping to be, you know, back in the show. But at least you got to go to Tucson, where you spent some time in college and pitched for the Sidewinders there in AAA. Yeah. Now, you know, how how frustrating was 07 though? Not, you know, struggling a little bit, not getting back up there. Oh my gosh, struggling! That was the worst year ever, and that was the year I, I showed up in spring training and I had like a, a one and a half ERA in the bullpen. They had a spot open, and that's when they had told me, you know, you're going to make the team. Great <sighs> job! Congratulations! I'm calling all my family. Because we're all there in Arizona, got my bags packed, and then that night they claimed uh, Durbin, JD Durbin, off of waivers. <laughs> oh, so you're going to AAA, buddy, and now you're not on the roster, and none of that, and you know, it, it just the, the conditions on how I pitch, uh, just they just didn't work, man. Like I said, I throw, I throw down the middle of late movement, and you know they hit the ball, they usually don't hit it hard, and and just the dry, arid air and the hard ground, I just give up runs right and left. I just couldn't get out that home. And I'd go pitch on the road and I'd do okay. But at home, man, I just, I think I had like a 10 ERA. I just couldn't get it done. And you start questioning yourself, like, did I lose it? Or, you know, what's what's going on here and this and that? And, and I was, you know, it's, it's, 
again, it's big leagues. You get your chance, and if you don't stick with it, it's kind of one of those things. You're not going to make a big league team with a 10 ERA and AAA. So I said, you know what, maybe I don't have it anymore. I said, I need to go play winter ball and, and reestablish myself and see what I got. And, and I, I went down to Venezuela, and uh, that's, you know, you get the humidity back in the air. I got grass actually on the field now, and, and, and I got position players behind me, not, you know, a whole bunch of guys that aren't out of position kind of deal. And, and I think the first month I threw up like four wins as a starter and, and had a, a one ERA or something like that and and opened up a lot of the eyes. And, and that's where uh, Buddy Bell had uh, – there's some guys with the team that I was playing with in Venezuela that were good friends with Ozzy. And I guess, you know, they were telling Ozzy, you got to take a look at this guy. And I think, you know, he's, he's a real deal again. And, and Buddy gave me a call and told me that they had Banks and Gavin Floyd the year before. They really struggled and they wanted to have some depth. And if I want to come over there, and I was like, heck, yeah, man. And uh, – so that's how that year went. Yeah, well, you had really, really good two years there. Six and one with a three eight two with the White Sox in yeah. eighty games. I'm assuming you got some great memories of those two years. Yeah, it, Chicago's a great city too, man. It's you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I kind of, I kind of related to a clean San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was fun. You know, the weather was nice. Uh, it had some some good years we made the playoffs and we played the back like Ken Griffey and Tommy and you know these guys just I think we had over 220 home runs as a team so every night it was just you know fireworks and bang and boom and uh, some big arms in the bullpen and big starters so it was you know a lot bigger payroll to do the things they wanted to do with so yeah there's definitely some good memories there. Now, being a Royals guy, I've got to got to ask you about uh, August third of '08. So you're facing the Sox. You came inside on Miguel Olivo twice. You nicked him with the second. <laughs> now he yeah. gets all upset. He charges the mound. The bench is clear. So, what do you remember about that? And then was that the only time in your career that somebody charged you? Uh, it was the only time in the career. And the thing was, the game before, same kind of scenario. I think it was Franklin was up, and those it was. I all I remember is my arms were like drenching, and I even. The day before I came in, I almost hit that guy like two or three times, too. I just could not control the ball. And Levo comes up with bases loaded, and I'm a sinker. I mean, I, I show you away late and get you out in early, man. You know, I get you out away late and, and show you away early. Um, but it was just one of those things. I, I almost hit him like two pitches in a row before that, just trying to throw the ball down the middle. I'm not trying to walk in the run. And, uh, yeah, it ends up running in, hitting him on the hand, and, and I'm just pissed because I just – Walked in a run, or you know, hit hit in the run with with the hit batter, and I'm going to pick up the ball to come back to me, and I look up, and he's already charging the mound, and then that <laughs> whole thing went down like that. He's a good dude, though, man. We played, I think it was, I don't know, a week, two weeks later, they came up to Chicago, and he apologized, and you know, I was like, dude, I, I wasn't trying to hit you, man. That's the last thing I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to give up runs just for free, you know. So. <laughs> that reminds me of, I don't know if you were here. I remember a couple times. I think it was a rookie umpire one time. The Royals hit like one of their pitchers hit somebody with the bases loaded and walked in. It was Grimsley. He hit somebody with the bases loaded, yeah, walked in a run, and, and they gave him a warning for it. Like they warned the benches. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, why the hell would I hit somebody with the bases loaded? Yeah, man. same kind of deal, man. Yeah. So that's it was just, and, and I remember those days in, in Kansas. There's some days where you get that sweat going and you just can't get a dry ball. You know, your your hands are perspiring and it's yeah. just perspiring, man. It's just, it's tough. It's hot here. It's hot here. Um, so 2009 ends, you become a free agent, you sign with the Pirates, which is kind of ironic, and they keep you there right. until uh, the trade deadline then of 731 of 10. So you get sent to the Diamondbacks in a big trade. Before we talk about that, so with Pittsburgh, once again, you're really good. You have a 2-2, two, 3-8-8, two two, eight, eight, 45 games for the Pirates. So how about that half season with the Pirates at the big league level? Good, good memories there? Um, I made some great friends. The park was beautiful. You know, we 
we weren't competitive, man. And it, it was tough because there was some there was some promises made to me that off season that didn't come to fruition. Uh, again, it was a chance to start, and you know I was doing my thing, and you know they were just shuttling starters up from AAA and this and that, and I'm like, hey, this is this is what I signed here to do is get the opportunity. If you guys couldn't do it, and I passed up an opportunity that year. The Giants really wanted me. I actually turned out more money to go to Pittsburgh than I did to San Francisco for that one opportunity to start. And they had a win in the World Series, so <laughs> I guess that was a bad move on my part. Um, but, you know, with the Giants, I knew I was going to be in the bullpen. It was, there was no question about starting there. And the Pirates, there was, you know, there wasn't a, a chance to start. So, and that didn't happen. And it, you know, that it just, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So, I, you know, I, I didn't appreciate that part of it. But yeah. it was a beautiful field and, and some really cool guys on the team. And uh, it's just, they were, I don't know, the, the clubhouse just didn't work the way I thought, you know, another clubhouse that then they weren't taking it seriously. I thought they should. And it just, you know, it just rubs off the wrong way sometimes. So you get traded to Arizona. Were you surprised by that? And where were you at when you got that news? Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. I had um you know, I heard from some sources that there was a few playoff teams looking at me at the time, and for me just to go to Arizona was like, what the heck's happening there, you know? <laughs> Obviously, their prospects they were offering must have been a better deal for, you know, the Pirates at the time. But um, it was kind of bittersweet. You know, I, I, all my family's in Arizona, so that was kind of cool. Um, I went from worse to, to even worse, <laughs> you know? Um, so that sucked. Um, but, you know, to be traded was... Obviously, somebody wanted you, so that was that was pretty neat. And um, even there, man, I don't I don't know what ended up happening there because we had well, they had like, you know, apparently before I got there, they had like the worst open in the history of the game. Um, and I threw the ball really well there for them, yeah. and I didn't even get so much as a phone call to, hey, uh, thank you, or we want to you know resign you, or we're going to offer you arbitration or whatever it was. So it was a really weird situation there at the time. Yeah, you had a three one eight eighteen games, so. I was going to say you, you threw really well there. Well, so then after 2011, you finally get a nice payday for all your hard work that you've put in all these years. The Mets sign you, you right. spend uh, 2011 and part of 2012. So talk about your Mets days. Oh, my gosh. I felt horrible because, you know, I signed a really good deal. They had a lot of confidence in me. I was going to get some really good opportunities to do some stuff there. And probably about two weeks before spring training, I end up popping the intercostal on my rib. Yeah. Um, and I just, I could never get back. My arm angles, my arm slot changed. I couldn't generate the same thing. My back, my ribs, like, it just kind of started hurting all the time. And, I mean, my velocity, I, was, I think I was going like 85, 86. And I just couldn't do it, man. They, they stuck with me for the first year, and I got my butt handed to me. And the second year was, you know, I didn't get much of a chance to come back and get anything done. But it was the same story, man. It just, it was time. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I, there was no way I could do a, a full season anymore. And, and you know, the, the stuff that I was featuring, let alone, you know, my back hurting and my rib hurting. So it was, it was just one of those things, man. It, you know, they got the short end of the stick on that. And, and I hate that because, I, you know, I want to be what I'm supposed to be. And it just, I couldn't recuperate, you know, to, to do it. Well, you were 35, so you get released by them. And you pitch, what, like five games with the Gwinnett Braves there in AAA. Did, did you pretty much just request your release? Was it mutual? How'd that in there for Yeah, you? no. So what happened was that last year with the Mets and that spring training, um, as well, you know, my, my rib was one thing, but I twisted the living heck out of my ankle. I popped that booger, and I just could not get it behind me. I mean, it was two months, and they called me back up, and I still just didn't feel right. And when I got released, um, I came home, and, and the Braves had called. I'm like, look, man, I'm not I'm not even ready to go. My 
I still can't stand on it, but you know, they were like, well, we just want some depth to take your time in AAA. And, and I basically had a talk with my agent. I said, look, I've been there in the minor leagues where this old time guy, you know, still holding on, hoping he can get back to the big leagues, taking people's spot. And I'm getting sent down. My friends are getting sent down just to make room for this guy. I said, I don't want to be that guy. I said, if I can't get ready, if I can't get back to where I need to be in, in a couple weeks, man, I'm, I'm just not going to even try. It hurts too much to do this all the time anyways at that point, how I felt. So two weeks come up, and I, I just, you know, I probably had the best game I had down there that night, but I just couldn't do it, man. I, I was hurting. My back was killing me. My ankle was still hurting. I'm, and I remember, I said, I'm going to throw this ball as hard as I can and see what, and, and I look back and it says 87. <laughs> and it was straight as an arrow. And I'm like, there's no movement to it. I, you know, it's just not going to happen anymore. I, you know, and, and that was fine. I, you know, I prayed about it earlier that spring training. And, and, and if it was time, then and it was time. And I, I was okay with that. So I, I told the manager who called it the GM and wouldn't mind if I go ahead and, and just, uh, you know, get my release. I don't want to be taking up a spot here. I'm not going to help you guys out. And so they agreed to it. So I, I you know, that was awesome of them for, for even, you know, taking that chance again, but it, it, I couldn't do it again. Well, that's cool. So it sounds like you were able to walk away at the right time, and you yeah, you were, yeah. You, were, you had peace in your heart. You weren't bitter about anything, so right. that's good. Yeah. yeah, not at all, man. So That's that, um, that's a gift, man. A lot of guys don't get that. I know. It, it really is. And that's what I said. You know, I pray on it. Cause you, you, know, you know when, you know, I didn't think it was going to end as soon as it did because of, you know, that injury, but. I just, I would just, a lot of friends at that age were already done and a year out or just happening. And, and I'd just see the stress in their life and there'd be, you know, you know, their relationships and everything about it was just all bad, you know. And I'm like, I don't want to be like that. And I this this game doesn't define me. I don't want it to define me. You know, I've had great moments and, and uh, you know, it's been, it's, it's given me great things in life and, and friends and relationships and stuff like that. I just don't want to, you know, just all come crashing down at one time. So that it, it is. And then, and I could, you know, say wholeheartedly now it was awesome, and um, it's given me the world, and I'd love to give back, and that's some of the stuff I want to do here in New Zealand is give back and, and share, you know, what it's done for me. Hopefully it can do it for other people too. Yeah, well, so last four or five things then. So let's go back to the Royals here to close here. Um, so Omaha, let's talk about Omaha real briefly. Your, your favorite memories of Omaha and then pitching at Rosenblatt Stadium. Oh, my gosh. My favorite moment, memories are probably just – Probably just the, the the friends I made, man. Um, I, I I didn't enjoy pitching there. That ball flew out of there, and there was nobody there. And then you get kicked out forever because of the College World Series. <laughs> so there's nothing great about pitching in Omaha, man. The, the greatest the greatest moment there is when you're leaving there and going yeah. to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, how about uh, your favorite Royals memories here in in KC? Then, so you know, how about the city as a whole? Any nice memories of where you lived in KC or your favorite areas to, to hang out at here in KC? Um, it, it, this is a funny one. Like, I, I didn't mind Kansas City at all when I was because I loved the quietness and this and that. And, and it's funny because when when you're not and everybody you ask, their favorite city to play in is Chicago. Most of them are Chicago, some are New York. But when you're not in Kansas City, most everybody's answer is Kansas City. And that, and I, that blew my mind because I was there and, you know, I didn't understand that at the time. But when you're living in these hustle and bustle cities, um, you know, I can't where we stay at Intercontinental. I don't know what that area is yeah. called again. Plaza, yep. The plaza area. So when I lived there, I never really went to the plaza because I was always kind of like the Raytown out, out that way by the field. Um so when I got a chance to stay there, I really enjoyed the plaza area more than anything else. And I was like, dang, I wish I'd have had 
knew about this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so people actually do say Kansas City is the, one of their favorite towns, your old teammates? They do. You'd be surprised, man. If they took a poll of the big leagues, I would, I would honestly say it's, it's over 50%. I would think more 70% of people, especially in the AL anyway, that, you know, that play around there. Say Kansas City is their favorite. Just the relaxing, just the plaza and the relaxation of it and stuff. Yeah, because you gotta understand. I mean, when you play in Kansas, like I can live right by the stadium and it's quiet. There's not I have to worry about parking and and all that. You play in New York, Chicago, anywhere, Cincinnati. You know, well, Cincinnati maybe not, but <laughs> San Diego, L.A. You're in me, 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 me. You're just in the in the rat race, man. And when you can get away from that, it's it's comforting as a player. Now, how about uh, your favorite Royals teammates while you were here? And then, do you still keep in touch with anybody besides? Uh, I talked to Justin Heisman recently. He said you guys still talk. Anybody besides no, him? He's, yeah, I love Heisman. Yeah, he's he's cool as heck, man. He's doing well up there. Uh, me and McDougal were pretty close. Uh, I haven't talked to Swinney in a while. Um, but out of out of all those guys, Heisman, me and Heisman were really tight, especially when I was playing in Chicago. He uh, he lived there, so we'd hang out quite a bit. Um, again, McDougal was one of my good buddies. I talked to Desi Relaford the other day. I still talk to quite a few of those guys. Chris George, actually, I missed his call. We were trying to get into contact. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of guys. That that poor guy. Remember, he was like 12 and four, but he, they sent him to Omaha that year. Do you remember yeah, that? In 03? Yeah. <laughs> That's awful, man. There's yeah. some weird moves, but you know, a lot of that <laughs> politics. If you're not, if you're not in the hunt, they'll make you know business moves versus baseball moves. Yeah, for sure. Well, last two things. Have you been back here since you pitched with the White Sox? When's the last time you were here? Um, I was gonna. I went last year, not to Kansas City, but the year before I went to Kansas City. I usually there's some good friends that I have up in Platte City area oh, okay. that I'll go hunt, and then we'll go hang out downtown for a little while. Oh, okay, cool. So you, you, no, that's very cool. Well, I guess yeah. the last thing I have for you then, in summary, then what would you like to say uh, to Royals fans listening right now? I mean, I, I just want to say I, I thought it was awesome and amazing. You guys got a chance to see everybody in the World Series and represent the, the blue and white. Um, I think that was well-deserved for the fans. And uh, I appreciate the time and the energy they spent coming out and supporting us, man. It was, uh, again, it was, you know, my rookie year was probably going to be the best year that I'll ever remember. And uh, still got ties in Kansas City, and it's because of you guys coming out and watching us play. Yeah, well, we we enjoyed having you here. I mean, you, a lot of good memories of seeing you come out and pound on that zone and, and competing and yeah. seeing the underdog succeed and get his chance. And, and I'm excited to hear about uh, an update down the road about how things are going to New Zealand. So I'll we'll have to touch, oh, yeah. touch base down the road again. And You forgot the sweep of the Yankees, man, the sweep of the Cardinals those years. Oh, yeah, there's so many good come things. Come on, bro. you got to let them know. <laughs> there are so many right. good things. That was awful. We swept the dang the Yankees come to town. They thought they were all that. Wasn't that the Kevin Apier game where he threw like five and a third with throwing eighty three? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, what was the other guy's name? I I, I had thrown. Uh, I think I beat Randy Johnson that game. And yeah. there was another Ryan Ryan something. I can't remember his name. Was that the? Didn't Brad Voyle start a game that year and beat Randy Johnson too, or something? Or was that the year, next year after? He might have. Well, I remember. Well, I haven't talked to Voyles in a while. Super changeup. Oh man, I love watching the There were some great uh, Chris Wilson. There were some great guys that threw strikes. Dude, we had like three guys in spring training throwing a hundred. I'm like, are you really serious? I'm going to make this team. <laughs> McDougal, Jason Hill, and Buckvich. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those guys are just lighting it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then Grimsley's throwing a 90 mile an hour sinker that goes like three feet down. It's like, Jesus. I don't know if I can play in the big league, but I'm going to try. <laughs> He's one of, I think I think Grimsley's one of the most underrated Royals of the last 20 oh, years. Oh, you know what? I love Grimsley. I forgot to send a shout out to Jason, man. He, he when you asked the questions earlier of the guys that, that, probably took care of me the most. I would say, hands down, Jason Grimsley took care of me the most in the bullpen. And uh, Albie Lopez was another guy that 
really tight with. But Grimsley is still a lot of good work ethics and the way the game should be played. And he got such a bad name for what happened, you know, what stuff that kind of went down. But he's he's definitely a guy that baseball everybody needs on this team. Yeah, he had some bad luck between that and the plane crashing in his yard in Olathe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, luckily nobody got hurt with that. But, yeah, man, right. I mean, it, it was great. I mean, thanks again, and, and let's definitely stay in touch and, uh, you know, get yeah. back in touch down the road I'd love to be on whenever, man. Yeah. Hit me up. Let me, know, uh, let me know how it goes in New Zealand. We'll catch up maybe uh, six months, a year down the road, something like that. Okay. Take care, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Have a safe trip. Yeah, bye.